One of my favorite Christmas songs is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And I'm just fascinated with that name that is given to God by the prophet Isaiah when he said these words. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. The first line of that song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Captive. You know, the people of God spent a long time as slaves. And when they weren't slaves, they had a major portion of their history where they were dominated by the Roman Empire. They spent much of their existence as a people under slavery or oppression. Amen? And they were singing. They were praying. Many of them were looking and longing for Emmanuel. And for them, God with us meant at least this. We would be free. I just want to read several phrases because... They all culminate in a son is given. You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. For to us a child is born. In other words, here's how you've done that or how you will yet do that. A son is born. A child is given. I had it backwards. I wasn't reading the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Embedded in these prophecies about the coming of Christ are promises of freedom. I know many of you sitting here thinking, well, we're still free. We're Americans, so we're still free. Can I tell you, there is a political freedom and there is a physical freedom. But the greatest freedom is the freedom inside our hearts and our spirit and our soul. Because there's many a man that has spent many years in prison and when he was finally let out, he was still a prisoner in his heart. Jesus has come to set us free. Embedded in the greatest gift of all, which is the gift of God's Son, Christ Jesus, which started as he impregnated Mary and caused a child to be born in that manger in Bethlehem, embedded in that greatest of gifts, is another gift. It's the gift that a little boy needed when he was uh, trying out his new slingshot. And this little boy couldn't hit nothing. So he thought, he saw... Grandma's duck walking across the yard. He took aim, let a stone fly, killed that sucker dead. Who? I know you're not happy anyway. It was a good shot. But he had a problem, mission control. I got to hide this duck. So he started looking for a place to hide it. And before he could get that duck shoved up under one of the outbuildings on the old farm there, his, he turned around and his sister was just like this. <laughs> I saw you, Johnny. So he hides the duck and asks her to, begs her not to rat him out. 
And he goes into the kitchen and grandma says to his sister, honey, we, you need to help me clean up the dishes. And honey looks at Johnny and she says, Johnny wants to do it. Don't you, Johnny? <laughs> yes, ma'am, I do. <clears throat> Later on, Grandpa was going to take the kids fishing. He says, come on, let's go fishing. And, Susie, and, and Grandma says, no, I need, I need Susie, whatever her name was. I need her to help me prepare supper tonight. And Susie looks at Johnny and says, oh, no, Johnny wants to help you with supper. Don't you, Johnny? Johnny said, yes. So they're standing there at the counter and he's helping grandma prepare supper. He just can't stand it anymore. His conscience has just overwhelmed him and he, and he says, Grandma, I got to tell you something. I got a confession to make. I killed your duck with my new slingshot. She looked at Johnny and she said, I know, son. I saw you when you did it and I forgave you immediately. And Johnny realized something. He was a slave to his guilty conscience and shame and didn't have to be. He was free from the moment it happened. But he didn't know it. And his sister had him in slavery. Some of us live like that. But Johnny needed a gift. He needed the freedom that only Jesus can give. He needed some keys that would unlock the prison the enemy wanted to keep him in. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because one of the reasons Christmas is so awesome is because it represents Emmanuel who has come to ransom captive Israel. As that scripture says, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. He's come to set us free. Many of you may be sitting there saying, well, thank God I'm free. I'm saved, so I'm free, right? Well, you can be. But sometimes we don't walk in freedom. Johnny was free, but Johnny didn't know it. Johnny was free, but somebody was messing with his head. Johnny had become a slave to his own guilt and shame, and his sister was manipulating him. And can I tell you, there's some people probably sitting here this morning, the devil is messing with your head, and you don't have to be a slave to his lies. I want you to read a passage about Jesus with me. John chapter 8. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and we've never been slaves of anyone. By the way, that's a lie. <laughs> Them personally, they might not have been slaves, but their ancestors had definitely been slaves for 400 plus years. 
That don't even include the exile to Babylon. And that doesn't include the oppression they were living under at this moment. See, they weren't totally controlled by the Romans, but they were oppressed. The Romans determined what level of joy they lived in. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you, listen to this, you have no room for my word. That was their problem. They had no room for their, Jesus' words. At first, they could have accepted his words, but they wouldn't. And before long, they couldn't. At first, they wouldn't, and then they couldn't. Then they became a slave of their own decisions. He said, I'm telling you what I've seen in my father's presence or in the father's presence. And you're doing what you have heard from your father. And they protest and he ends up telling them, you are the child of your father and he's a liar and the father of lies. Basically, if his lips are moving, talking about the devil, he's lying. Amen? If the devil's lips are moving, he's lying. And unfortunately, sometimes, even as believers, we choose to believe lies about ourselves, about other people, even about Jesus. Let me give you one. Oh, he'll answer everybody's prayers but mine. That's a lie. And you might have heard that in your head and you embrace such a thought and yet, and I'm going to say this in an, again in a moment, but when we believe the liar, we empower him. You see, the enemy lures us and enslaves us primarily with lies. He wants to whisper in our ears things like, a little bit won't hurt. You ever been, you ever told yourself that or heard that in your head? A little bit won't hurt. One time, it'll be okay. Can I tell you something? Sin is enslaving. Whoever, we've just read from two different passages this morning, whoever gives or yields himself to sin becomes a slave of the one he obeys. And sin is not a pet rabbit. Sin is not something you have the option to dangle and, 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 and tangle with or not. Sin is a rattlesnake, not a pet rabbit. And sin is habit forming and it enslaves. And Jesus is showing this with these Jewish leaders. They made sinful, arrogant, prideful choices and eventually they became bound by their own willingness to buy into lies. Sin is enslaving. There's no such thing as harmless sin. And this sermon isn't about sin. It's about freedom. But just hang with me a minute. There's nothing harmless about sin. It makes us slaves of our own desires and our own emotions. It makes us slaves. It leads to addiction. It leads to depression. 
It leads to anger and rage. It leads to perversion. It leads to fear. It leads to guilt. It leads to anxiety that controls our lives. All of these things are fueled by lies from hell where the enemy whispers in our ears and says something as simple as this. You're really not safe. Does God really have your tomorrow? Has God really got your back? You're at risk. Fear is one of the things that I see controlling more of God's children than anything else. And I'm here to tell you today that is not the will of God for His kids. I'm not saying we shouldn't be concerned about what's going on around us. Absolutely we should be concerned. But being concerned and being controlled by fear is two different animals. Amen? God has not given me. We can all quote the scriptures and yet so many times fear sneaks up on us and fear is pulling the strings instead of faith. And that is, a, is an affront to God and His faithfulness and His love and His provision and His power and His presence. And it is a torment for us. That's just one of the many things. The enemy can whisper in our ear and he can spin a web of lies and build a fortress. I'll talk about this more in a moment. A stronghold that is built of lies and the one whose thought processes are being affected is, seems to be the only one that don't see it. I'm getting ahead of myself. The enemy maintains enslavement by messing with our heads. He wants to twist our perspectives with lies that lead to dysfunctional patterns in our responses to life. If the devil can control me with fear, he can cause me to respond to opportunity and challenge a whole different way than I would respond if I was walking in faith. Amen? You, you see that, right? But sometimes when it's happening in our head, we're just saying things like this. Well, that's just reality. That's just reality. Well, there is a moment for a dose of reality. But sometimes reality is just the way things are and not what God is going to do in that reality. We are people of faith. We're called believers for a reason, are we not? And that's just that one issue of fear versus faith. The enemy wants to mess with our heads so he can influence our responses. He wants to mess with us. And I'm saying our because I'm talking about people of God. I'm not talking about the unsaved out there. They're being swept along by whatever. I'm talking about the people of God who have been born again, whose sins have been forgiven. People who read the Word, maybe even pray regularly. And yet there's this conversation, this guerrilla warfare going on in their head.
The longer this stinking thinking goes on, the harder it is to think any other way and react to our circumstances according to the truth. The Emancipation Proclamation was announced, I, I don't know the exact date, but it was months later before it was actually read in Galveston, Texas. And in Galveston, Texas, there were slaves still serving their masters, had no idea. Not only had their freedom been declared legally, it had been enforced at the end of guns and swords and had been won outright. And yet they continued to serve as slaves because they were not aware they had been declared free and their freedom had been bought with the blood of Hundreds of thousands. When we act on a lie, we empower the liar. And we impair our ability to see the whole truth. You say, well, I'm a believer. I don't believe lies. If your thought processes are not saturated with this, the devil can whisper in your ear things that are, they sound right, but they're not quite right. Well, Jesus loves me, so that means I can live any way I want to, right? He loves me. He died for my sins, right? Well, they're taken care of. I can do whatever I want to do. No, wrong conclusion. Right? So we can get part of the word and the devil can twist it and create a response to opportunity or challenge or problem or resources or people that is creating something that is dysfunctional. All because we're listening to lies. It's one reason Jesus and the apostles emphasize being a doer of the word. And Jesus even refers to this in this passage in John where he's confronting the Pharisees and Sadducees. He says, those who hold to my teachings, but they're my disciples, but you, you have no room for my word. You have no room for the truth. You have no room for the truth to change you and not for you to find some loophole in the word that can justify and excuse these dysfunctional reactions you continue having to life. Some of you probably go through seasons of depression. I don't believe depression's ever God's will. And I understand there's chemical things going on sometimes. I'm not even going down that road today. I'm just telling you the devil can hide behind chemical misfires. The devil can worm his way in and start whispering in your ear and saying things like, you'll never be any different. You don't, you don't, you need to quit trying to overcome that because you'll never overcome it. Those are words from hell. You say, why, why are you preaching about sin and bondage and freedom right before Christmas? Because I'm tired of seeing God's children robbed. I'm tired of seeing God's children 
know they're born again, but they don't have any joy. I'm tired of seeing believers struggle in depression over and over again. I'm tired of seeing believers struggle with addictions, struggle with perversion, struggle with, with anxiety attacks. I'm tired of seeing the devil rip off God's people. But it's happening. It's happening in the church. Jesus came to set us free. It is not His will that we live in depression, in fear and anxiety, under guilt or shame. It is not His will. Period. You say, well, what if I sin? Shouldn't I feel guilty? Yes, enough to repent and move on. So, it's like an elephant. I heard this story where, you know, when an elephant is a baby, they can put a chain around his leg and drive a long metal stake in the ground and the elephant can't pull it up. It restrains him. But he keeps tugging, he keeps tugging, he keeps tugging. But while he's tugging, he's growing. And he gets bigger and bigger and bigger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And by the time he is a full-grown adult, they can keep him Captive with that chain and stake, even though he is strong enough to jerk up 10 of those stakes at one time. He won't because he's chained in his mind now. He doesn't think baby elephants can't pull up chains. He just thinks elephants can't pull up chains and I'm an elephant. Some of you have become a prisoner to your past. And your past is robbing you of fullness of joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. And it's not God's will. It never was. And it's not now. I got to hurry. Because we're going to pray about this. The most dangerous lies and sins that they lead to are not always the obvious ones. Just like the most dangerous cancer is the undetected one. You tell me, guys, which punch is the most dangerous in a fight? The one you don't see coming. And sometimes the things that are robbing us, we're blind to them. Other people around us may even be able to see them or detect them. But you know what I found out in the body of Christ, in my experience, in my lifetime, there's very few believers love a brother or sister enough to come to them and say, I see this pattern in your life. Let me pray with you. Let me help you. No, we all talk about it over here, but we won't talk to them about it. Can I tell you, the most loving thing you can ever do is gently, kindly, with humility and a broken heart, go to someone and say, I see a pattern and let me pray with you. Let's, let's see what's going on here. Let's be honest. Most of us don't even want that kind of love. 
much less the hassle and the drama that comes along with trying to give that kind of love. He's quiet up in here. He's quiet. Maybe our litmus test for our love should include that. I love you enough to say to you, I see you hurting and stumbling right here. Let's talk about it. Can we talk about it? Can we pray about it? Can we do something? I'm not going to talk to them. I'm going to talk to you and to Jesus. There's people sitting right here that need that from somebody. But most of us are afraid to go there. Why? Because it's blown up in our face before. This ain't in the notes, by the way. You can call this the Holy Spirit or call it Gary's Spirit. I don't, I don't, you know, whatever. Cancers of the mind and emotions are often shrouded in a fog of excuses and warped perspectives that blind the person that has them. Things like, I'm unlovable. Things like, everybody's against me. Things like, I'll never succeed. These are lies the enemy wants to embed in our thought streams and us think it's just being real. It's the devil, guys! Here's one. I can hold on to my offenses because I don't have to forgive them unless they ask. Well, that's, first of all, that's not biblical. Pastor Seth preached about that last week and did an awesome job. But you know, it's not just our twisted perspectives about ourselves. It's our twisted perspectives about God that are even more important. Because if our perspectives about God were right, our perspectives about ourselves would line up eventually. And sometimes, whether we'll ever verbalize it or not, we know it's not, it, we know it's not orthodox uh, talk or whatever, but deep down inside, sometimes we think, well, God just don't love me like He loves them. If we accept those kinds of statements in our minds at face value, we become their slave. And it determines how we pray. It determines how we see ourselves. It determines everything. As, as A.W. Tozer said, what a man believes about God is the most important thing about the man. We need blinders taking off our eyes about the nature of God. He's not a doting grandfather. He's a very loving and strong father. And I ain't got time to preach all that, but I'm just saying... One of the blind spots we end up with is how we see God and how He works. And what He's willing to do and what He's not willing to do and, and, and how He loves and how He disciplines. A twisted perspective will rob us of consistent victory and hold us in dysfunctional patterns in our lives. It's what we call a stronghold. A stronghold, Here, here's, a, here's a kind of a vernacular way to say this. It's a guerrilla war in our heads or espionage of our emotions fueled by lies undetected by the person. 
In other words, the devil's messing with our heads. He's jerking on our emotions and we fail to see that it's him doing it. Here's another excuse some people use. That's just the way I am. It may be the way you am. It's just not the way God wants to leave you. But you're believing a lie about something. You've given the devil, as it says in Ephesians 4.27, give the devil no foothold. What's he talking about? Give him no place in your thought patterns. Give him no place in your emotional patterns because we develop patterns, don't we? We react to certain people, certain things, certain ways, and many times we come away knowing that's not Christ-like. And yet if we excuse ourselves and say it's just the way I am, we're, we're forging chains around ourselves. He wants to set us free. To respond like Jesus. I know we got flesh. And I'm not talking about just the flesh. Every one of us got selfish fight inside of us, don't we? Every one of us do. We got selfish fight. Somebody pokes us, we want to poke back. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, yeah boy, I got a good one out of that one. Amen. Every one of us have selfish fight in us. I'm not talking about that selfish flesh part of us. I'm talking about something where we really got an issue going on and it manifests in some really dysfunctional behavior and responses to life and to people and to opportunity and to God. And yet we don't see it. Today, the Spirit of God wants to show it. He wants to reveal Himself to us all over again and He wants to reveal the places the enemy's pinching our lifeline so we can be free to walk in the fullness of joy and peace in the Holy Spirit and in His power. Amen? He wants us walking in victory over sin. He doesn't want us being those people that are underneath life. He wants us to be on top of life even if we're going through trouble. Still be on top of life in the way we respond. I mean, what do the words mean if God be for us? How deep does that truth go? Does it affect the way we respond to the next calamity in our life? When it looks like God must not be for us because this went wrong and that went off the rails and that self-destructed and that blew up in my face and now they hate me and they won't talk to me and blah, blah, blah. And all around we go and it's very easy to begin to wonder, is God really for me? I'm just telling you, we better go back to the Word. Better go back to the Word. All oh, that's free, not in the notes. You know, some people say, well, I'm a believer. The Spirit of God lives in me. True, true. Devil can't, can't do anything to me. Not true, not true, not true. It's not true. Devil can influence you. Devil can influence you. He can't possess you. He can't take over the spirit of, a child of, of the child of God. I know that. House divided against itself can't stand, right? But can I tell you, the devil can influence you. Guys, you'll understand this. I, ladies, do the best you can. If you'll go home and watch a little football this afternoon, you're going to hear somebody say this. They affected the quarterback. 
They didn't tackle him and throw him on the ground. They didn't strip him of the ball and run into the end zone. They just pressured him and affected him. They influenced the quarterback enough that his timing is off. His form is off. His, his vision is, is impaired. And all that's all it takes to mess up his game is influence. And can I tell you, the devil is constantly looking for ways to influence the child of God. So I'm not talking about possession here, but I am talking about significant influence that does change and becomes a pattern of behavior in our lives. A pattern of perspective that affects the way we respond to people. It affects the attitudes we allow to be held in our hearts. It affects whether we live in victory or not consistently. He wants to break that off of us today. Mother Teresa said this. She said, loneliness is the new leprosy and nobody wants anybody to know you're a leper. Had nothing to do with this message except this. Nobody here wants to say the devil's been messing with my head. Nobody wants to admit that. But I know the devil well enough to know that he never shuts up. He's, he's got diarrhea of the mouth, as they say. He just keeps pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. And he is constantly looking for a way to influence the way you think, the way I respond emotionally and intellectually, constantly. But we can live in victory. Because he's bought us freedom. And what did he say? You shall know the, and the truth shall. I'm almost done. I want the worship team to go ahead and join me up here. Sometimes the devil's influence influences our actual reactions to life more than the word and the spirit does. How do we know if we're influenced by a stronghold in our thoughts, emotions, or our will? Patterns. Patterns. Patterns of dysfunctional response to problems, people, relationships, opportunities. Do we have patterns? Patterns we can, if we're honest, we may need somebody else's help to stand on the outside and look in. But am I responding the way I should respond if I really believe what I believe and the spirit that I say lives in me, should I be responding that way? Patterns of response. The good news is this. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus is the liberator. Amen. And if you don't think you've ever been influenced by the devil, that might not be great news to you. But I'm telling you, you have at some point. And the devil wants to break all of those mental barriers and bondages. He wants to transform 
our reactions and responses to life and people and relationships, challenges and opportunities so that it looks more and more like Jesus. Amen? That's His desire. So what do we do? He is the way, the truth, and the life. And truth is liberating. The Word of God is a surgeon's scalpel for the soul. You know the Scripture. It divides asunder the thoughts and intents of the heart, right? The Word of God is a precision surgeon's scalpel for the soul. And if you will stay in the Word and you will stay on your knees and you are willing to hear and see what the Spirit would show you, He will take that scalpel and begin to divide between thoughts and intents of the heart and begin to show us where I've allowed some stinking thinking to affect my walk with Jesus. I've allowed stinking thinking to control my responses. Jesus said in John 16, 13, when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. That's what He wants to do for us today. So there's two or three things we need to do. We need to pray that God would show us the truth about ourselves and about Him. We need to commit ourselves to act on the truth, regardless of our feelings, our past experiences. And then we need to do what James says in 4, 7. He says, submit to God. Say it. Resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. See, he wants to operate in secret. The devil works best incognito. As long as we don't know he's messing with our head, we won't call him out on it. But when the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and shows us the way I'm reacting to life right here is not how it has to be. Once the, the Spirit shows us that, it's time to resist the devil. Amen? There may be people here this morning that need to resist the devil. I'm going to wrap this up and I'm going to ask our prayer team to come stand around the front because we're going to pray for those who want to pray for freedom, for revelation, for anything you need. We didn't, we didn't bring the worship team, I mean the prayer team down earlier because we always want to give an opportunity to pray for your needs. I'm going to invite anybody that has a need. You need healing. You need help. You need, you need to be saved. Or you need to be free. You, as I've talked this morning, you've seen patterns in your responses to life that are not healthy. And you see it today. That's not healthy. I'm a child of God. I'm born again. But that is not healthy. I need, I need to break that off, off of my life. You come too. You come too. And, and I'm saying it this way because many of us, hey, I've been doing this a while. Very few of you would walk down and admit that you got that problem. So we're just going to have a general prayer time. Come pray about anything you need to pray about. I need to pray for my body. I'm going to get some prayer. Jesus has come to set us free. Where we're not laboring under fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, perversion, guilt, or shame. Or a... 
<clears throat> unhealthy view of ourself or a messed up view of Him. He wants us free. Prayer team, come on. Come on, somebody come. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Go ahead. Give him some mic down here, guys. Yeah. He said nobody would, would admit to, or it's like that secret, whatever, seeing that the leprosy. Well, God revealed something to me yesterday, and it's so silly. I, I, it's like, when I say, I hate to even admit it. Um, but I was uh, going, we went to a wonderful little basketball game with eight, eight year olds, and I got so frustrated during that game that it, it just ruined my attitude I had the most terrible attitude and it was just so revealing because it was not it was deep I mean there was something there it was, it was weird I got this this gut wrench in my deep in me like that was wrong it's like I had an attitude I didn't want to talk to, I didn't want to say good job Victoria I didn't want to say anything I was just mad at this and that and that and to the point where we got to to go give her a treat because Laura said she did a good job and I was fighting I was just okay we'll do it let's go I'm gonna do it but to the point that this nice wonderful cashier was so kind that there's something in me that just rose up and like hated that kindness <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm telling you guys you think I mean you think your bad attitude's okay but there's a lot of times there's spiritual things behind it. And that, and that revealed to me right then that there's something spiritual here that, they, that God's trying to reveal and trying to get out of me. So don't take these, what he said to lot, because I know this was like for me, if it wasn't for anybody else, because that was God revealing that there's something that needs to be, I need to be set free from. And I started praying and, and I, when I realized that, I just said, Victoria, I want you to start reading that scripture. I want you to start reading that word. And just, I started to get the peace. It started going away, falling away. And I just, it was because of God's word. And because, anyway, I just, I know this is God. And I know some of you right now are thinking, ah, there's nothing wrong with, you know, I don't need freedom. I'm free. God, you know, I got rid of this. I got rid of that. There might be some things deep inside that God's wanting to, to free you from. Yeah. So I want you. I want to encourage you. If you just had, if it's just a bad attitude every time you turn on that that station, that radio station, or if it's a bad attitude every time this your mother or father-in-law says something to you, maybe that's something that God wants to root out of you. Amen. Let's clean house. Amen. Be willing to clean house. Be have an open heart, even right now, because the Holy Spirit wants to to free you. We we need true freedom, not just face value freedom. He wants us to be truly free no more tormenting experience in the name of Jesus hallelujah I'm just going to invite you to come if you want prayer it may be about this it may be I, I, I need some healing in my body right now so I'm going to come and ask these people to pray for me but if you need prayer right now we're ready to pray a prayer of liberation and a prayer that break chains just as we're about to sing break chains off of people's emotions and off of their thought patterns and their will and, and root those things out as JC said. Amen. Go ahead and sing it guys. There is power in the
the name of Jesus. I, I know many of you, you're ready to go. I get it. It's after 12 o'clock. But I, I just want to ask everybody a question. How many of you, you may not see anything in yourself that you would call a stronghold, but you know somebody, when I preached about it, you thought about them. Raise your hand. Anybody else? Yeah, there's several around the room. Okay. Can we just pray for them right now? Can we pray that God will help them see that the enemy's messing with their heads? He's messing with their emotions. He's messing with their heart. Wouldn't that be awesome if they got free? Let's just join together in prayer right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we agree together that you're going to begin the liberation process for those people that we know that seem to be struggling with a pattern of response that is dysfunctional and based on lies. Father, we declare freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name. Lord, you want to set them free just as much as us. Hallelujah. Do it, Lord. You're greater than every demonic force of hell. You're greater than every lie. You're greater than every chain. You are greater than every bondage that has ever been. You are a chain breaker in Jesus' name. We know you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hear the chains falling. Come on, sing it again. I hear the chains falling. I hear the chains falling. I hear those chains falling. Hallelujah. Talking about chains in different areas of our life. And I feel this in my spirit. And I'm saying this in love because I don't like to do this. But I am going to say with boldness today that religiosity can be a chain in our life because Jesus does not like religiosity. And I say that in love and I'm not saying it to any one person. But he dropped this in my spirit months ago. And today I think we need to know in our hearts that that's, that can be a chain, people. And the world, they don't want religiosity. They don't. They want realness. They want you to come to them and say, hey, I've had a problem with that. You know what? Like, like I have done that, and I've had that same problem. And you can get over it. That's what people want. That's what people want inside this building. That's what people want out there, and until they see it, they're not going to come in here. And I have this word for you. And I don't, again, I don't make stuff up. I don't write on a piece of paper and say, this is what I'm going to say today. I'm telling you what he's telling me. He doesn't like it. He wants us to be real in this building. He preached the sermon. He did. We have to do this, people, because it won't go to the field. Because that's where it's at, people. That's where it's at. The field is out there. 
And if they're not looking for something that's real today, then then God help us. Amen. Because it, it's not going to be much longer. That's right. That's all. Amen. Father, we thank you that we don't have to respond to life based on anything but the truth about you. Lord, we are free in Jesus. Lord, we can walk in joy and peace and power and purpose. And Lord, we can continually grow to be more and more like you. We thank you for the freedom you bought for us. It started in Bethlehem, but Lord, it culminated in the resurrection and the descent of your spirit. Lord, may your spirit lead us in freedom. It is for freedom you have set us free. And so, Lord, lead us in freedom from this place. In this season, may we be fountains of joy and peace in this season, regardless of how we might have reacted yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you say amen? Love one another.